Welcome back, all our loyal listeners, to the Full Contact Podcast. You have myself, Sheree Phillips-Keaton, and my co-host, Nick Sapina. Nick, how are you doing on this Thursday, an hour before kickoff of Thursday Night Football? Well, it's Thursday, which means there's football, which means I'm doing pretty good. Um, I would say it's not exactly the most uh, highly anticipated matchup tonight. We have the Dolphins and the Jaguars, who... Um, the Jaguars are kind of like playing themselves out of the Trevor Lawrence uh, conversation. Everybody had kind of kind of assumed that that was the the direction that they were heading. You know, it would be kind of a tank job, but looks like that's not really happening. So they're just kind of a fun team to to watch at this point, and they do have some promising young talent. I assume that that'll be the case for the next few years as they continue to rebuild. But I'm excited. Even if it's not the most, uh, you know, exciting matchup, it should be good anyway. How about yourself, Sharif? Uh, I agree, and I'm good. Uh, I have now entered my Friday, so off of work for the next uh, two days. So get to relax, and just all I have to think about is sports and chores. But other than that, uh, <laughs> doing pretty good. Uh, I think this actually be a good game. I'm one of those people that even though two people, somebody will look at a game and like, oh, that's two terrible teams. It's going to be a bad game. I look at it, well, it's two terrible teams, so it should be a highly contested game, which should make it exciting. Um, and obviously the Jaguars are favored by a little less than a field goal. <laughs> so, I mean, it should be a close game, and obviously Minshew Mania gets everybody excited. Um, enough of the uh, pleasantries, what – uh, Nick and myself have for you guys on tap. We'll first get into the uh, NFL MVP odds. Um, the latest, I guess you could say, report on it has uh, Seattle Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson as the favorite, which I think is going to be an interesting topic on multiple levels because obviously I would say we have a league full of uh, Russell, Wil- Russell Wilson truthers, which is not a bad thing, just something to point out. Um, then we'll get into the NBA MVP voting. Obviously, the NBA MVP was awarded to uh, Milwaukee Bucks forward Giannis Antetokounmpo, which makes it his second consecutive NBA uh, MVP. Obviously, this was announced last Friday, or I guess less than a week from today. So a little bit old news, but I think it's something to get into between him and second place LeBron James. And then finally, We'll get into some Cameron Newton talk because, I mean, I think this guy has to be the story of the NFL right now, especially given how his tenure with the Carolina Panthers ended and then how he found his way to the Patriots and is looking better than ever. First, before we get into all that, uh, we just want to thank you all for listening and we appreciate your loyalty. Um, Nick, so the latest... Uh, I guess you could say reports on the NFL MVP odds, as me and you talked about pre-show. Um, have Russell Wilson as the favorite after two games. What do you think about this predicament we got right now? Well, it's a it's very interesting, like you were saying, because um, I was watching football maybe, I guess it was Sunday, or maybe it was uh, last week, and I think that Chris Collinsworth was calling the game and he was 
kind of joking around. He was like, oh, you know, Russell Wilson, this guy is such a good player. And he has never had a single MVP vote. And then he joked around. He was like, and you know what? It's my fault. Because. And I I thought he was going to say something like I messed up. I should have voted for him. And as it turns out, he's like, Russell Wilson was going to be my vote. And I forgot to send the, the, the ballot in. And um, he he kind of joked about how he was booted from the committee that votes on MVP. But <laughs> I think it does bring up a really interesting point because you think of a guy like Russell Wilson who has all of the accomplishments. He is a likable guy on and off the field. Uh, every year, he just seems to... Um, he, he seems to turn it on when his team needs it most and he can do whatever is asked of him. So the fact that he hasn't had MVP votes up until now, first of all, is to me pretty blasphemous. But at the same time, when you kind of shift your perspective and you think about the guys that who he's been in contention with for MVP, you know, you have your Tom Brady for years and all that stuff. And now you have Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, and you kind of realize like, why now I'm (laughs) like, right. Like I like, I like Russell Wilson a lot, but at the end of the day, when it's like Patrick Mahomes with 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns or, you know, Lamar Jackson rushing for over a thousand yards and, you know, being absolutely incredible last year, it's easy to see why he's never gotten those votes. You know what I mean? So I think that when it's all said and done in the 2020 season, 2020-2021, it's going to be more the same. Like Russ might end up with a few votes or something like that. But I unfortunately still think that it's going to come down to one of the sexy players, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, maybe Kyler Murray, something like that. Because those guys are just so incredible and they put up eye-popping stats on top of looking good to the eye test. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Oh, no. It, it makes perfect sense. Um, it, it actually is interesting um, because, you know, and this is actually funny from this perspective because uh, you and I and I'm sure some of our listeners and most people put. Uh, most people in the world engage in a little NFL DFS along with our season long leagues. Just, you know, there's different perks uh, to each uh, game mode. And the one thing, at least the fantasy football community has been raving for is for the Seahawks to let Russ cook. You know, that's like the new narrative um, or I guess has been the narrative for the past few years. And, when you think about it, Russell Wilson has thrown nine touchdown passes so far through two games, um, which actually, when you think about it, is tied for second most in NFL history through two games because obviously Patrick Mahomes in 2018 threw 10 touchdowns. But it just shows you how much Russell Wilson is cooking right now. Um, and he's thrown nine touchdowns to one interception for and completing 82% of his passes. It's it's just remarkable. Um, I agree with you. I don't know if he's going to finish the season that way. Because, I mean, we've seen Russell Wilson pop off 
for like three or four games of this kind of magnitude. And it's just always something. And part of what hurts it is just the way that head coach Pete Carroll likes to run his offense. You know, you could say he's basically a run first guy and play defense. And right now, um, both games uh, against the Falcons and the Patriots have been shootouts. So Russell Wilson had to cook. Um, but if there's games where let's say they're playing, I don't know if they play like the Jets or someone or someone they can easily beat, you could probably see Russell Wilson throwing maybe 25 passes because that's kind of like how that offense is ran. So some of Russell Wilson not getting the MVP love is just more or less how his team is structured. But obviously he has those three or four game stretches that just shows us how real he is. Um and obviously, he came into the season, I believe, with the third best odds behind uh, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. So I think either of those guys will win it. But it's it's incredible. So with that being said, Nick, while we're still on the topic of Russell Wilson, so what's the best way? So at this point now, even though Russell Wilson is the favorite, if you had to pick today for who's going to win the MVP at the re- at the end of this regular season, who would it be and why? I can't see myself betting against Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, assuming a full healthy season, um, I think that what he's able to do, the weapons that they have in Kansas City and the coaching staff. Um, that offense is still primed for a massive, you know, passing attack, which Patrick Mahomes is plenty capable of supplying. Uh, you know, they have all the speed in the world. Uh, Tyreek Hill's healthy. Um, Sammy Watkins is a little bit banged up right now. Uh, it seems that he's in concussion protocol, but still like Demarcus Robinson. And then you add in the fact that they have a competent running back now. Uh, no disrespect to Damian Williams. I'm actually a little bit of a Damian Williams truther, as long as he's on the chief of Chiefs, of course. So I just think that he is like the gold standard. And I think that if he would have played a fully healthy year last year, he would have challenged for MVP also. Just so happens, like, I mean, Lamar Jackson was incredible and Mahomes was hurt for a little stretch. So that would be my number one uh, bet. But after him, I mean, I think that guys that are legitimately like planted into this conversation are going to be Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray. I see that Aaron Rodgers is up here on this list too. Um, I'm a big Aaron Rodgers fan. I think that he's incredible. But I do think that at some point this offense is going to kind of revert back to what it was last year and be a run run heavy attack. So I think he'll have a fine year, but he'll probably drop a little bit on this list. And then Kyler Murray, kind of in like a breakout fashion, you might see him have a Lamar Jackson-esque year where he actually ends up rushing for almost a thousand yards. So just that in itself, kind of adding that into he has a pretty established passing game and he obviously has tremendous weapons there in uh, Arizona. I could see him making a late push at it also. I I would say 
uh, my first choice, which I think would be more of my conventional choice, I agree with you, uh, would be Patrick Mahomes. But I think pretty much by the end of the season, because they both are the leaders of exceptional teams and they ha- they play in the same conference um, and eventually have to play each other uh, for the right or at least are projected to play each other for the right to go to the Super Bowl. I think it's going to come down to Mahomes and Jackson. Um, Kyler Murray would be one of my dark horses because, I mean, the Cardinals won't be very good, or at least, you know, they they at best might hover around 500. Um, but obviously, Kyler Murray is going to put on a show, especially now that he has a stud wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, to throw to. And, you know, if Kenyon Drake can, you know, bring more consistency to his game. I mean, the offense for the Cardinals is going to be prolific. Um, so, you know, we just wanted to show uh, Russell Wilson some love. And also it's interesting to tell MVP, even though we're actually going to go into week three once 820 comes around. Um, next up, as I brought up at the beginning, uh, Milwaukee Bucks uh, forward Giannis Antetokounmpo was awarded his second uh, consecutive NBA MVP award. This was announced last Friday on September 18th. Um, and, you know, just some highlights. Anthony Tacupo is now one of 10 players, or actually this is like 12. It's, it's like 10 to 12 players as guys to win back-to-back MVPs. Um, some notable guys, you know, Steph Curry, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, that company. Um, also, Anthony DeCubo is one of only three players to have won the MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in the same season. Um, that being the other two being Michael Jordan and Hakeem Olajuwon. So there's some elite company this guy is in. But um, before I uh, go on a tangent, uh, if you will, uh, Nick, what do you think about what did you think about Giannis winning the MVP for the second straight year? I really don't have any qualms with it. Uh, he was nothing short of spectacular. And if <clears throat> if my understanding is correct, the MVP voting only focused on the first part of the season prior to the NBA shutdown and all that stuff, correct? Correct. So he was dominant and he led – you know, the best team in basketball with a crazy, crazy record. Um, I'm actually not entirely sure what it was prior to that shutdown, but it wasn't very close. You know, he was, or the, the Bucks were pretty much just running away with the East. So I have no problem with that. Um, I'm a little bit, I am a little bit disturbed at the, the distance between Giannis and LeBron because um, LeBron's like scoring output has dropped just a little bit. And of course that's one of the biggest uh, markers that gets looked at in MVP voting, but LeBron has also made up for that in his assists, which if you look, I think he led the league in assists this year. He was absolutely incredible uh, actually playing a kind of point guard role. So I have no problem with Giannis winning. 
I don't think that LeBron has a problem with Giannis winning. I know that he did make a comment, um, and I'm sure that he still sees himself as the best player in the world. Rightfully so. So that's kind of where I'm at. Um, let me see. I'm going to pull up the the points. And the other thing just to consider about Giannis is that he did all of this while playing like a ridiculous number of minutes. Like he played uh, ridiculous in a low way. Like he did not, he was not seeing the floor like 38 minutes a game. So he was absolutely incredible this year. Sharif, what are your thoughts? Um, so I thought it was well-deserved, um, that Giannis won the MVP. Obviously I know some people were trying to say, you know, LeBron should have won MVP. You know, you got some people saying Luca should have won MVP, James Harden. Um, and then, you know, some people for defensive player of the year were trying to say Anthony Davis. I wasn't really buying a lot of that only because I felt like through the regular season, Giannis, I think just had better numbers and he was the best player for the best team, which is typically the criteria that's taken into account. But also there has to be some historical context taken into account. Um, so when you think that Giannis averaged 23, 29 and a half points per game, 13.6 rebounds per game and 5.6 assists per game. Um, and I believe he was around one, one and a half blocks and one and a half steals per game. For the Milwaukee Bucks, who I'm sure won 50-plus games. I don't know exactly the number. It's just there's no way you could really argue with that. He he was dominant on defense, as you saw. I, I believe a couple of the stats he had, he gave up the lowest percentage. Here it is. He led the NBA in field goal percentage allowed at the rim, and this is per ESPN, um, allowed at the rim and just – field goal percentage allowed as the closest defender. So basically he was dominant on defense and obviously we see offense and, you know, he, I'm not sure if he broke the paints record that he broke when he passed, or I think it was for the most dunk, something like that. Obviously Giannis is a great player and I think he deserved MVP. Um, I will say, even though it's a regular season award, I was disappointed with Giannis in the playoffs not necessarily because he got hurt. It was just more or less how the playoffs went, where you didn't really see him flash his dominance at any one point. And obviously, playoff basketball is a much higher intensity than regular season basketball, but you just would have expected Giannis to uh, enforce his physicality a little more, just like he did in regular season. To that end, also, I thought it was interesting that I believe the day – after uh, Giannis was awarded the MVP award, um, LeBron was asked about the MVP, MVP voting totals, and he said it, quote, pissed him off. Well, I guess, quote, pissed me off, but, you know, basically that's what he said. Um, and really what he was pissed off at was that as far as f- first place votes are concerned, Giannis received 85 of 101 First place votes, LeBron got the other 16. Um, And he just, obviously, he was upset that, or I guess pissed off that, I guess he, obviously, like you said, um, he just thought he was better than 15 or 16 first place votes. So shifting gears, Nick, what what did you think about the disparity 
between the first place votes between uh, Giannis and LeBron. Does he have a point? I think he does. Now, like we're saying, this is not to take anything away from Giannis, but pretty much just to say that this was not a runaway. You know what I mean? Where um, LeBron James, in his own right, was incredible. And you can always have this kind of like existential debate about what it means to be the most valuable kind of quote unquote player. Because, I mean, we think about that and a lot of times it goes to the best player on the best team, which 100% is Giannis. And if that was the case, Giannis would get 100% of the votes. But it kind of means something a little bit different to everybody where, you know, some people look at it as if to say, all right, if you remove Giannis from his team, how are they going to fare? Or if you remove LeBron from his team, you know, how do you uh, define value? And from that perspective, I kind of think that you can see where LeBron has a gripe because it's not like he's just pouring in points where, I mean, he did average 25.3 points for the season, uh, chipped in 7.8 total rebounds, but where he was really spectacular was in the assist column especially for a guy at his position, averaging 10.2 assists per game, which was really just incredible. So from that perspective, even if he doesn't quite match Giannis in the points category or the rebounds, the fact that he's setting up his teammates for, you know, five more buckets a game, to me, tells you all you need to know about his value. I agree. Um, I think LeBron has a good point and a reason to be upset about that. Um, I don't think Giannis was that much better than LeBron that he should have had, I guess, what does that amount to? Like 60, 70 plus votes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's like 69 more votes. 69. <laughs> so he has a point there. Like obviously in the perfect world, if we had to say basically Giannis and LeBron, it'd probably be like – Giannis got 51 first place votes. LeBron got 50 or 52, 49, something like that. Not 85 to 16. Um, it's worth noting that no one else got a first place vote, first place vote other than uh, Giannis and LeBron. But I agree that he has a point. LeBron also had a wonderful season. I guess that's the thing that sucks about MVP and awards where only one person can get it. That's why I love the all NBA teams or in the NFL, the Pro Bowl teams and the All-Pro teams because more than one person gets to be recognized for what they did. And then it's like MVP and it's like, well, they're all great. It's just sometimes it's that little microcosm that gives them the edge. Um, and I think that was the case for Giannis and obviously the votes did not swing that way. But as we both said, congratulations to Giannis. Hopefully he signs uh, the Supermax extension with the Bucks in the offseason because I think it'll be great for the NBA and Milwaukee if Giannis stays and, you know, doesn't go to one of the already established powers, like some people rumored, you know, the Miami Heat or the Golden State Warriors or the Houston Rockets, you know, keep building Milwaukee up. Um, lastly, I uh, wanted to talk to you about Cam Newton. Um and actually, as I guess this was affectionately, uh, John Gruden refers to Cam as Slam Newton, which I think is hilarious. And obviously those Grudenisms 
never cease to make me giggle. Um, you know, Cam has, I would say has been a rev. I, I want, I don't want to say he's been a revelation only because it's not like we've never seen Cam play great football. Obviously this man won NFL MVP in 2015, but Nick, what do you, what do you think about how slam Newton is, is playing uh, so far this season? I think that the best way for me to um, kind of give my thoughts about Cam Newton is to start off with an apology. I mean, in the, in the off season, we were ripping Cam Newton, you know, we were saying basically Cam Newton is an inaccurate passer. He doesn't seem to have his legs anymore. He's not the same athletic Superman, you know, rip off the Jersey kind of player that he was uh, when he was younger in uh, Carolina. And now granted we're two games through the season, but he's just shut everybody up. Like if, if you can, base a season off of two games, Cam Newton has been incredible. Um, I actually happen to be a little bit more invested in Cam because in a, in a deep quarterback league, uh, two quarterback league, I actually picked him up as my starting quarterback. And it was pretty much a dart throw where I was not entirely sure what I was getting. But look, Cam Newton has been incredible. Uh, thus far, he's averaging 71.4% completion. Um, he's chipping in, uh, let me, let me see if I can find the, uh, there we go. The rushing stats. So he's had 26 rushes. He's gone for over 47 yards in both of the games, two rushing touchdowns in each of the games. He's really just been incredible. I don't think I have the superlatives to completely describe what he's been, but to call it a comeback would be an understatement. Um, I can't praise the guy enough. Um, and good on him for really shutting up a lot of the haters. Now, I have to give credit to Bill Belichick, who I'm sure, um, while he had great success with Tom Brady, you know he's having a lot of fun with a guy like Cam Newton, who he, who he can get uh, different kinds of usage out of, you know, the rushing plays and, and pretty much the whole scheme. I'm loving what I'm seeing from the Patriots, to be honest, at least their offense. Uh, before I get too too carried away, uh, I'll let I'll let you go, Sharif. So I agree with everything you said. I think it's it's it warms my heart to <laughs> see Cam Newton play this way, especially because I was one of those people who I mean, and it's not like the numbers didn't bear that out. You know, we're just pointing out what we were seeing, but obviously. You know, sometimes you got to take context. I didn't take it as far as the Carolina Panthers did by leaving him off their poll for <laughs> the best players in franchise history. Obviously, when you think of the Carolina Panthers, you think of Cam Newton. I don't think any no, no one comes before him. So I'm not petty, but obviously uh, Cam has struggled with uh, passing accuracy throughout his career. Um, you know, during the year he won MVP, I think he was still – below 60% completion percentage, but he just happened to have a hell of a year running the football, which is, you know, that's part of his mystique. His, his contribution is, you know, running the football, especially when you think that 
or when you consider that he leads the Patriots in carries and yards while scoring two rushing touchdowns, as you pointed out. And even passing, he's not doing that bad, as you said, with the completion percentage, but is thrown for almost 550 yards with, you know, just one touchdown and one interception. But, you know, it, it's great to see him play this way. It just sucks that he has to do it making less than, I would say, half of any of the start, the, like the bottom half uh, of the quarterbacks. Because he's only getting a base salary of one point zero five million dollars. Obviously, if he reaches all incentives, he can make up a seven point five million. But even that amount doesn't just tell you the value that Cam Newton has when he's healthy, and he has a good coach putting him in the right spot. Um, there was actually talk about him signing an extension. Or is he worried about signing an extension after the season? Because obviously this is just a one-year deal. And, you know, he he's saying all the right things. You know, he's not worried about it. But what I want to pose to you is, assuming that Cam Newton can play this, can continue to play this way, or somewhere close, because I, I don't think, you know, he can see on the score two rushing, rushing touchdowns every game. Um, but let's say if he can play close to what he's playing like now, what do you think his market value would be next offseason? Now that's a question. So Cam Newton, um, I believe, is he's 31. So you have to think that um mm, man, Sharif, you put me on the spot here. So I think if you would get a fair deal somewhere probably in the Teddy Bridgewater-ish range, which is a little bit, I would say, under market value. And the only reason I would say that is because you know that part of what makes Cam Cam is the athleticism. And at some point, you know, you're looking at a guy who's now 31 years old. You know you kind of have to prepare to lose that. You know what I mean? Unless he completely, completely um, blows all of his accuracy numbers out of the water and somehow shows you that he is very capable of being a pocket passer, or maybe Aaron Rodgers at worst, where he can get out of the pocket and make more time. But if you're if you're a GM, you kind of have to understand that at some point that same physical dominance probably is not going to be there. And it's hard to project when that's going to be for a guy like Cam Newton, who's already taken his lumps and his hits. And yeah, but if you're getting Cam Newton playing the way he is right now, you have to think that you're going to have to pay up at least a bit. Um, Does that make sense? Oh, it makes perfect sense. And I agree. You know, it was just something that came to my mind just because obviously when Cam now if he doesn't sign the extension with the New England Patriots obviously if he signs with them he'll get I would say below his market value because that's just the way um, the Patriots do business they did that with even Tom Brady so I wouldn't expect it to be any different for Cam I think it'd be smart for the Patriots to re-sign Cam um, even if they have to pay up just because as long as Cam Newton's healthy um, I think He's he's at least the top 10 quarterback, you know, when fully healthy. And in this Patriots system, I mean, 
with the way he's passing the football. And if he's literally going to be, um, as John Gruden puts it, a power forward playing quarterback, I, I don't see why you wouldn't pay this guy, as you say, like around that Teddy Bridgewater level, I'd say between like 20 to $25 million. Um, Obviously, it's all about how the team values you as well. Um, yeah, I just think – I think the best thing for him – would be to sign extension with the Patriots because if there's one thing he'll get with the Patriots that he's unlikely to get with most teams is the Patriots will know how to build around him because, you know, Belichick spent 20 years doing that for Tom Brady and he's won games, you know, with guys like Matt Castle, Jacoby Brissett, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, he, Bill Belichick knows what he's doing. So I would prefer if Cam signed his extension with the Patriots, but if he wants to get his market value, I wouldn't blame him for leaving. So obviously both of us are just happy for Cam, and we just hope that he keeps the good play uh, going, which I don't see any reason why he would not. Um, so that does it for us. Um, Nick, do you have any closing remarks or anything else you want to touch on before we head out of here? Um, not too much. I do kind of want to close the loop on Cam Newton. Because I think that you're totally right. I think that him staying in New England would probably be the optimal thing for him and New England. And I almost feel like he might be looking at the situation kind of as if, kind of as if to say, you know what? New England gave me a shot when I really wasn't getting it somewhere else. So I don't see a reason why not to build here. You know what I mean? And at 31 years old, you have to think that he has at least one more contract in him. Like time will tell, but yeah. And I like the pieces for Cam Newton that the Patriots have. Now, this is not like um, some stacked receiving core. I'm not going to say anything like that, but Cam Newton has historically liked the bigger guys, the bigger targets. They have Nikhil Harry. Um, He's already developed a, a good rapport with Julian Edelman, which I'm a little bit surprised by, but Julian Edelman does seem to be a reliable target for uh, his quarterbacks, whether that is Tom Brady or now Cam Newton. So there's a lot to like about his fit there in New England, and I do agree. I think that he should stay there, and my guess would be that he will. Um, as for my closing remarks really don't have any, uh, you know, tune into the football game tonight or well, if you're listening, it's probably Friday already. So, um, let us know your reaction to the football game, uh, from Thursday night. And, uh, yeah, that's all from me. Um, so I agree, you know, I think we're on the same page when it comes to cam. Um, I think it's just one other thing to know that, you know, there's been some talk on, you know, is Cam better for the Patriots than Tom Brady would have been if he stayed in New England? I don't know how to answer that question because obviously, you know, Belichick likes to run his offense like a chameleon, for example. Like he basically, he tailors the offense to whoever's in it. So obviously Tom Brady would not be running the Cam Newton offense and Cam Newton wouldn't be running the Tom Brady offense. They have uh, widely different skill sets in, you know, not to say one's better than the other, just guy the guys play differently. I think it's more exciting to watch Cam play football 
um, especially when he's healthy and he's playing this way because that was the only knock I ever had against him is that he's just not an accurate thrower or the football or at least his numbers were not bearing that out. Um, but this year with, I would say, his best receiver still being Julian Edelman, um, he he looks a lot better throwing to these guys than Tom Brady did for the most part. So, I mean, that's pretty much how I look at that and, you know, wish the best for Cam. So uh, for Nick Sapina, I am Shree Phillips Keaton. Uh, we appreciate all of you listening to us. And as Nick said, probably by the time you're hearing this, it will be Friday. But we, you know, we want you to reach out to us, you know, if you want to talk about the mustache versus the beard, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, Garden Minshew versus Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, we want to hear all of that. Just Nick, uh, do me a favor. Can you tell our loyal listeners where they can give their reactions to us via social media? Sure thing, Sharif. At Full Contact Pod on Twitter, on Instagram. We are on Facebook, though we don't really look at it. Um, <laughs> we have to be a little bit better on that one. Uh, but yeah, and you could always find us on, uh, not SoundCloud, um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're on Anchor, if you've ever heard of it, but I post links to it on the Twitter. So you'll definitely see us around. Thank you for that, Nick. Another solid, as always. Uh, we appreciate all of you for listening. Um, you can catch me and Nick most likely next Tuesday as we do another edition of our full contact fantasy football podcast. We'll, you know, we'll talk about all of week three and give you some waiver wire advice until then. Uh, we hope you all have a good night. We'll see you next week.